ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Good morning, everybody. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we'll visit with uh, New York Knicks point guard Alfred Payton, a Rage Occasion Hall of Famer now. But right now, let's talk some Saints football with our guest, Kat Terrell from The Athletic. Catherine has covered the Saints for many years back in her time doing it with the Times-Picayune. Then she went and covered the Bengals for ESPN for a few years before returning to NOLA. And uh, she's our guest this morning to talk some Saints football. Good morning, Catherine. How are you? Doing good. How about you? I'm good. So um, I guess at this point you're used to talking to people either over a phone or over Zoom because uh, all of your press conferences with Sean Payton and some Saints players have been over Zoom. I know that's provided some difficulty, and I've asked pretty much everyone in the media about it. I guess I'll kind of flip it. Is there any benefit to getting to do it over Zoom, or is it kind of just all bad when it comes to trying to do your job? Well, I'm pretty used to talking to Sean Payton over the phone because he hasn't really talked to us in person outside of training camp and on Fridays for since before I left to go cover the Bengals. Um, so that's not any different. Um, trying to think if there's any like real benefits to talking to players over Zoom. I mean, it, I'm I'm someone who likes to talk in person, so I, I don't really like it. I mean, I guess you could say it gives us more time. There's no mad rush after the game to run downstairs you know, down eight flights of stairs in the Superdome to get to the press conference on time. Uh, so maybe that's the benefit, but it, it's tough. I mean, it, there's just that human connection that you're missing, and you don't really get to to banter with people or, or get to know them. It's just kind of you ask a question, and then that's it. But, you know, honestly, I'm just happy that we have a season and that we get to do it in the world. Yeah, Terrell, our guests. You know, like you said, Sean Payton, you get to, you would at least normally get to see him after a game, uh, but that's not the case anymore. Now it's on a screen. So, what does he do when he can't give you like the the um, you know the notorious Sean Payton stare that he apparently has uh, given everyone in the the media at some point or another? Uh, hangs up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What did you say to him last week that got him laughing? Didn't you say something that had him cracking up? Yeah, he was in a great mood last week. Uh, I just – someone asked him some pretty great questions about how he's learned to deal with COVID and um, how what he's learned from this season. He just kind of talked about, you know, not being able to control everything. And if you've known Peyton for a long time, you've known that – He's one of those coaches that likes to control everything. A lot of coaches are. Uh, it's kind of a hard lesson you have to learn that you can't. And he learned it after a long time. And so I was just asking him, do you think he's going to handle this a few years ago? And he said, how many years back are we talking? And he just burst out laughing. And so he can laugh at himself. I mean, he, he knows. And uh, he, he was giving Matt Rule credit because I can't imagine being a first-year coach and having to deal with all of this. Um, so we're just, I guess, having a, a good laugh at how much Peyton has changed and how little he hasn't changed over the years. Cad Terrell of the Athletic Saints beat writer, our guest, the ESPN fourteen twenty. Uh, you referenced his uh, his chuckles a little bit in your column. Um, I guess it was on Sunday uh, evening following the win about the receiving situation and the Saints having to play. You know, a number of players who were 
inexperienced or certainly had not had the reps that a Michael Thomas or an Emmanuel Sanders had in their careers. Uh, Marquez Callaway, I mean, in terms of undrafted free agents in the Peyton Breeze era, is he, does he feel like the next one that's going to be really good and, and perhaps there for a while? You know, I hope so. I, I think that I've covered the league long enough that sometimes you see these guys that have these great games and they don't really end up ever being anything, which is kind of unfortunate sometimes when you get excited about a young player. It happens all the time. I do think that he has a lot of potential. I think that the Saints saw that very early. It, I, I referenced this. Well, actually, no, I didn't. I will reference this in a story I'm writing at some point this week uh, that I already started writing. But uh, back in training camp, I noticed that they had him off to the side a lot, and the coaches would go through something with him. And to me, it kind of said two things. One, it said he was very raw. But two, as someone pointed out to me, it said that they really already felt invested in this guy. They wouldn't take the time to do that if they didn't think he was going to make the team. And so I thought about that a lot. And the fact that they kept him on the 53 just showed they know that this guy can be something special. And the reason he hasn't played has simply been a numbers game. It's how it happens in the NFL. And really, I mean, when you look back at when everyone was healthy – they weren't going to bench Michael Thomas or Sanders or Harris because he's a returner or or Traquan. Um, so he just didn't get his chance until now. So I think he's kind of proven he's going to be hard to knock out of the lineup at this point. And I know he left the game Sunday uh, late with that injury and was helped off and went to the tent. But the fact that he was available to you guys after to answer questions, is that kind of telling maybe that that injury isn't super serious? It usually is. I mean, sometimes the adrenaline's going and you can't feel what's going on. Like, they, the injury doesn't seem so serious. But usually, if there's any chance that it is serious, they won't talk to us after games. It's, well, at least not in the Zoom world. I mean, sometimes you get to talk to players uh, in the locker room. I remember years ago, it's funny, I was just telling this story today about how sometimes you can't trust players with their own injuries. Uh, a player in the locker room years ago after a game, he got hurt. He told me he broke his tibia, um, but it was really a fibula, which, of course, I wrote tibia, and we had to correct that the next day. Um, but, yeah, on Zoom, it's totally different because the team kind of controls who, who uh, gets to talk to you. So if there's any doubt, uh, they're probably not. Well, Kat, you got to tell me, what, what, what player was it? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to make him look bad. But uh, you can go back and look at players who broke their fibulas in 2014 or 15 and, and figure it out. Uh, you know, I think he just misspoke. But it taught me a good lesson as a younger reporter that if you're if you're not sure about something, go double check. Because I remember thinking I was like, if you broke your tibia, wouldn't you have a huge cast on or like be about to put a huge cast on? That's a serious injury. Uh, not that a fibula isn't, but uh, it's a little different. It was Raphael. <laughs> it, 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 it was Raphael Bush, wasn't it? Wow, you are you are a pretty good detective. <laughs> there's only two players that would have been. There's only two players that broke their fibulas around that time. Um. All right. On that. Hey, look. Like you said, afterwards the adrenaline's going. Like he didn't know. He just heard one thing. And no. And I, I don't want to make him look bad because no, no, no. Bush is a great guy. Um. And you know what? Honestly, like it's not really his job to know that. Just he, he just needs to know what to do to fix it. And uh, 
Yeah, it's, I, it's funny I, stories like that. I know? get it. I, Kat Terrell, our guest from the Athletics, she covers the New Orleans Saints. I get it. Like, I'll, my wife will, you know, I'll go to the doctor or I'll bring one of the kids to the doctor. She's like, what do they say? I'm like, well, they said that there's something <laughs> wrong with the deal on the hand. She's like, what exactly was the phrase? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It was, right, I, sometimes I just, you just don't know. I just could tell you that they said it would, you know, take this medicine and eventually it'll be all right. Like, I don't, you know. I mean, to be fair, I'm kind of like that with everything. You know, a friend will text some news, and she's like, what, what did they say? I'm like, I don't know. Well, are they all right? I don't know. I just know that they were in a car accident. Well, anyway, sorry. Now I'm getting off track. Back to the Saints with Cat Terrell, our guest. Um, uh, looking at the, the wide receiver position, let's keep it there for a moment. Um, obviously, so much of the focus and chatter among Saints fans is Michael Thomas. Um, just, I guess my first question, Cap, before I ask you about, you know, some of the Florio stuff is uh, what, what has your experience been like covering him in terms of his personality? Uh, he's very reserved. Um, he's not really someone who he, he, I feel like he, he, I mean, he is someone who talks about on social media, but he's not really someone who seeks out reporters or. Uh, he's kind of the opposite of Cam. I mean, Cam Jordan loves to talk to literally anyone on this planet, and that's just his personality. And, and Thomas isn't like that. You know, it's 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 not as easy to get to know him, but, you know, every player is different, and the guy is immensely talented, so you kind of appreciate him for what he is and, um, I guess, makes you find new ways to, to write about him. But um, I think he's just very intense wants to win, and he wants to be great. And I know that a lot of stuff has gone wrong this year, and it probably makes emotions run high, but I think teammates always appreciate when they sense that someone wants to be to be great like that. He's incredibly competitive. Um, that's what led to the fight. I mean, he just he doesn't, he doesn't turn it off. I mean, whether it's practice or a game, it's all the same to him. I, uh, I've, I've... You know, I, I, I guess my listeners are probably sick of me saying it, but I'll tell you, I, I think if like the entertainment metaphor in the entertainment world, I think of him as like a Christian Bale. Like he's one of the best at his craft, but what makes him great can occasionally get him into trouble. You know, like Christian Bale, the method actor, leading man, can sure. kind of do anything. But you might have some issues on the set or with a director or producer, or some might say, look, he's awesome, but he was kind of tough to work with. That's like Michael Thomas. Um, he, you know what, but but if you take that away from either of those guys, then they're not as great as they are at what they do. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that people don't realize the people don't realize the immense amount of dedication it takes to be great, and when you become great, to stay great. Now that's that's the hard part. When you reach your goals, how do you find the motivation to keep going? And I think any of us in our lives could say that's a really hard thing to do, much less like this top-level athlete. Yeah, you could say, well, they get paid to. Well, I mean, it's not that easy. You always got to find some way to motivate yourself. And I think he motivates himself by, you know, finding flights. You know, I mean, Michael Jordan did that. Um, or just, I don't know, always keeping that competitive drive in his mind. And, yeah, is it going to drive people crazy? Probably. But – there's a reason he's as good as he is, and I think it's how hard he works. Saints reporter Catherine Terrell of The Athletic is our guest right now. ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. 
So uh, I, I could rehash everything from everything that, that's been said about him the last few days. I think our listeners kind of know the Cliff's Notes version. Florio says in ex- make Florio Pro Football Talk says what that uh, league circles or insiders have said the Saints might could be willing to possibly listen to a potential trade to which Sean Payton says insiders on the outside where they belong. Uh, but Sunday night was a little different. He reported on Football Night in America that um, Michael Thomas's camp was perhaps pushing for teams to maybe even make a trade offer, uh, at least up to this point. I don't know. I might be missing something in there, but that's kind of what I've what, what I've read and uh, and heard. I've I've been explaining to the listeners all the the various cap issues and, and kind of the technical side of what would happen or why it wouldn't happen. But just in general, Kat, what's your feeling on the whole situation just in terms of personality fit and and just long-term, whether he's with the team or not? Look, I think, like I said, emotions ran really high that day with the fight. I'm sure he was upset. Um, I'm sure Peyton was incredibly frustrated and kind of had to teach him a lesson, like you're not bigger than the team. Peyton has said that about anyone. I mean, no one is bigger than the team. And so if your attitude is getting to a point, I mean, my colleague Jeff Duncan had a great column about this. If your attitude is is getting out of control, then the team has to do something to put that back in line. But it doesn't mean that this is going to be some sort of long-term problem. I mean, for a team to, to, I guess, inherit a significant cap loss on a player means that that player is such a problem that he needs to go immediately. And the only player that I've ever done that with is Junior Gallette. Yes, I know they traded Jimmy Graham. That was a different situation. I don't think they felt like they had to get Jimmy out of there. I mean, yeah, they had, there was some tension at times, but it, it was just a different situation. It wasn't that Jimmy was disrupting the locker room so much he had to go. They just, you know, they, they kind of just kind of worked out um, for them. So really, you know, Thomas has his flaws, but he's not, at least from what I know, he's not Junior Gallette actively destroying one side of the locker room. Now, I know, of course, stuff could come out, but I just I cannot see them trading him. Not one year into this contract, not one year after he's the Offensive Player of the Year. I think they're going to find a way to work it out. And honestly, I think having Drew Brees there is a big part of that. I mean, if Thomas does get out of line, Breeze is going to be able to keep him in line because everyone respects you. And with a younger quarterback in the years to come, maybe it's different. And who who knows what happens at that point. But if he gets traded next week, I would just be I'd be floored. Yeah, I I, I would. I, I shocked is the word I would use. I would be shocked if it were to happen for all kinds of reasons, and uh, including all the ones you just mentioned. Catherine Terrell, our guest, Saints reporter for the Athletic. But in terms of uh, trade week, uh, you had a nice article on The Athletic a couple of days ago about some Saints trade possibilities and perhaps, you know, we we saw on Sunday against Carolina. I know that Davenport had that big sack in such a big moment, but other than that, you know, I mean, there were only two knockdowns of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Cam Jordan is off to a slow start. So if if they do make a trade, do you feel like it would likely be – uh, for a pass rusher, possibly? That's honestly the only thing I really see. I mean, I know everyone will immediately scream, what about a cornerback? Sure. The problem is, 
all of their issues in the secondary are communication issues. I don't foresee a new guy coming in and it's suddenly helping. I mean, it's so are they going to trade for smarter? I mean, and then that's, that's a huge deal because they already have, uh, they're down for draft picks next year and who are they going to replace? So, I mean, I could see a pass rusher. Uh, it's just, the problem is there's always a problem when you're looking at a trade is that, most of the guys I mentioned or the guys available are either aging or they cost a lot of money. And so are the Saints so desperate for a pass rusher that they're willing to kind of suck that up on maybe a guy that's only going to produce for a year? I mean, I know um, I mentioned J.J. Watt, but, you know, everyone knows that would be a huge long shot. I think the Texans would want a first-rounder for him. And it's the face of the franchise. Charles Dunlap is uh, just digging himself a deeper hole every day uh, for teams not to want to trade for him with his attitude and performance, honestly. Griffin would be interesting. Uh, I think the Saints would have maybe been interested in the summer, but it was hard because they wanted him to visit, and with COVID rules, couldn't. And, you know, with his off-the-field stuff, it, it was kind of a gamble. But he's not that expensive and – Maybe a guy like that. I did see a, a rumor or a report he was on the trade block. Everson so, Griffin, you're talking maybe. about you broke up there yeah. for a second. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I know I had a few other names, but I don't think it's going to happen. But I guess it wouldn't shock me just because, one, the Saints would have to bank on the fact that Davenport stays healthy. And, two, that his presence magically fixes what's wrong with the defensive line. So, I don't know. I'm sure they'll look. They always look. ESPN 1420.com. I want to harp back on something you mentioned a second ago in the secondary, and that being the communication issues, because it's it's weird. You know, you, you've seen the how good Lattimore can be, and he usually is. This year there's been some issues. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, Marcus Williams, who, with the exception of perhaps the last play of his rookie year, I thought was outstanding his rookie year, and he's had some highs and lows since then. But you've seen all these guys, like everyone in the secondary, you've seen how they play. And I think you know that when it's clicking, how good they can be. In terms of just unexpected um, issues, right, how perplexing is the communication issues in the secondary to you in all your years covering this team? Is it like ranked kind of high or is it not a surprise to you? Uh, I feel like this happens all the time. I mean, you knew bringing in Malcolm Jenkins could be hit or miss. He was older. Uh, you're throwing in a new guy uh, that hasn't been around in a long time. Janoris Jenkins is a gamble. Uh, he can be really good. But if the team goes south, what's his attitude going to be like? I mean, just stuff like that. There were a lot of questions. And the secondary was always an issue. Uh, I've never been sold on Marcus Williams. I, I say communication. I don't know if that's the right word or players not understanding their assignments. Uh, or their reads or, or whatnot, whatever it is, it's weird, and it kind of makes me wonder if it's on coaching, you know? Like, you would think that coaching could fix this. They're not getting it. Can you simplify it anymore? I mean, I, Malcolm Jenkins is probably the smartest guy in the secondary, so I don't think he's having trouble understanding his assignment, but, you know, is he is he aging at this point? <laughs> The, the weirdest thing, honestly, out of all of it is that Lattimore is just taking a step back. I, I really, it kind of surprises me. I, I didn't really expect that. 
Last Saints question for you, Catherine Terrell's been great. Uh, go follow her on Twitter if you're not already at cat underscore Terrell. That's cat with a K. Um, so coming up, you're looking at the schedule. Uh, you got the Bears next week, then that huge Sunday night game against Tampa Bay. Uh, this team is four and two. They came into it with obviously Super Bowl aspirations. They haven't looked like a Super Bowl team yet. You know they're close to being two and four, but. You definitely see Breeze and, and how good he can still be, and that was clearly evident on Sunday. They've still got a really good roster on paper. Six weeks into the season, Cat, what what direction do you feel like this team is moving in? I know that's a very general open-ended question, but I'm just, I guess, asking how you feel about the team's chances this year moving forward. Hmm, uh, it, it, is, it is weird because I feel like on one side of the ball they're moving forward, the offense after having a really bad start to the Chargers game, looked really, really good this week. I mean, it was exactly what you wanted to see. It kind of felt like watching a Saints game from years ago when Breeze could just make anyone uh, on the field a star. I mean, I, it felt like I'd gone back in time. Uh, he, he didn't look like he's looked in the past few weeks. And yet on the other side of the ball, defensively, it just feels like they're just stagnant and they have the same problems they've had week after week after week. I do feel like this team has the capability to be a playoff team. I really do. It's just they just need to put it together. But, you know, Breeze always says this. You want to be playing your best football in November. Well, December, really, in December and and forward. So, I mean, it's okay that they're not playing their best yet in October. They need to put it all together. But it's okay that they're not, you know – 100% 100% the team that we think they can be right now. As long as they continue to get better, I think that they'll be okay. But, hey, a big test will be when the Chiefs come to town. <laughs> Interested to see how that goes. Catherine Terrell has been our guest. Great stuff. Go read her stuff at theathletic.com. I have uh, been a subscriber to The Athletic for the last few years. I certainly have never regretted it. Love the content that uh, you, Larry, Jeff, Will Gilry with the Pelicans, Brody Miller covering LSU, everybody over there, uh, just in terms of working here in this state and covering sports. It's a must for me, and I think for fans out there, definitely a must for them as well. My final question, uh, Catherine, you know, having followed you on Twitter for years, you seem to be a very big fan of the 90s entertainment world, whether it be a show, a sitcom, maybe music. What's your favorite show from the 90s my favorite show from the 90s uh i have a couple of them but it's probably um wait wait say it again my 90s television say say that you uh, you broke up there when you were saying what's the what's the show oh it's probably dawson's creek oh okay all right yeah you know i have high standards for myself (laughs) i actually uh on a note like a better show that people actually like I do, I do love Seinfeld. I still find it hilarious all these years later. Uh, that's one of these shows I can, like, no matter when it comes on TV, I, I will watch it and still laugh. Um, so, yeah, bad teenage show, Dawson's Creek. Show that's actually still very funny, probably, uh, probably Seinfeld. So, so it was, like, Vanderbeek your guy or, you know? Oh, you... my God, no, Joshua Jackson. Joshua Jackson. No all one right. likes Dawson. No one likes. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. The worst character on television. <laughs> I didn't watch the show. I just. I just know Josh Jackson from you know the That's Mighty fair. Ducks movies and stuff. So I. Well, if you ever watch it, let me know your opinion on, on Dawson. Yeah. And the, I hope the listeners will 
you know, let you know as well how awful a character he is. I, uh, you're not selling me on this right now, Kat, I'll be honest with you. But uh... Well, the show is great. Just the, show, <laughs> the person the show is named after is... Not great. Uh, I wish I had time to watch television, but uh, with three kids, it doesn't happen <laughs> too much nice? anymore. There, there is a, a show out there. I can't even say the name of it because it, it's it's not spelt like the curse word. I mean, it's spelt different than the curse word, but it's, you know, it, two words. Last word is creek. It's pretty funny. I've been enjoying it. You know, it's lighthearted. Um, I think it's on Netflix, a, a Canadian comedy show, but... Definitely something to kind of turn my mind off and not think as I pass out every night and wake up early in the morning. Oh, it's this show, but we appreciate you getting up early and uh, joining us this morning, Kat. Guys, go follow her on Twitter at Kat underscore Terrell. Really appreciate the time, Catherine. Uh, continued success. And, um, you know, we, we play a lot of the audio from those Zoom press conferences. So our listeners are actually used to hearing your voice on the show because they hear you ask Coach Payton and the players questions every week. Well, you know, hopefully uh, they enjoy uh, Peyton's responses to my questions every week. I, I just, I just like how you, you know, how Marquez Callaway just gave you a nice. Uh, he like thanked you. He, you know, you asked him about how he was feeling health wise, and he didn't give you the scowl like Peyton would have. He was so polite. I appreciated that. What a polite person. <laughs> so I, I hope that continues. Catherine, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me.